0: Well, hello, and welcome to the e commerce evolution podcast, where we bring you the best of what's new and what's next in e commerce. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And our mission with this show is to interview the top merchants, the top marketers, and the experts shaping the e commerce industry. Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, super excited about our guest today and the topic today. I am uh, pleased to welcome Nick DeSabato. And I first heard of Nick from a great friend of mine, Ezra Firestone, who I know most of you know as well. And so we're going to be talking about conversion rate optimization, A-B testing, and just how to get more from your e-commerce site. And so with that, Nick, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, excited about this. I've I've got little tastes of your brilliance here and there as a designer, writer, CRO expert, and so excited to dive in and, and have you share your knowledge with the audience. So absolutely. So if you would, uh, give us like the you know 90 second, 60 second background of how'd you get into a B testing and CRO. Uh, and and then how did you work with the likes of Ezra Firestone? And you've also been on some other pretty cool podcasts,
1: yeah, which is yeah. nice
0: as well. So give us the background if you would.
1: Yeah, so I uh, my background is as a UX designer. I don't have like a marketing background or anything like that. And I have been running an independent business for uh, about five and a half years now. And about a year and a half into it, I was like, well, uh, what would be a good overlap between UXE type work where I'm making design decisions and getting paid for it and things that I can sell on a retainer because uh, I wanted to bring some more like durable and stable income to my business. And I'd run a few A-B tests in the past and everything. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do this, where I test your site every month and write up a report and uh, and that's it. And it no frills, whatever. I put it online, um, a couple famous people linked to it, and then my server crashed that's and I awesome. sold out all of the slots immediately. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was good. Um, so I, I, very much like, like I had, I had dipped my toes in the water a couple times and then got thrown in the deep end, like very quickly. And, nice. um, it's since evolved from a monthly AB testing service to a like quarterly full stack CRO service. And that's been mostly just by seeing like how things are playing out with my clients and where I can leverage like as much impact as humanly possible. Um, still bring a measure of like design thinking to the practice like i still think that a lot of the things i do are oriented around like research methods like talking to your customers and analytics and stuff like that and i i bring those things to bear in um continually improving the design and layout of your site so that your conversion rate increases your average order volume uh, volume increases that sort of stuff um all the good numbers go up hopefully right it's fantastic,
0: and, and and when did you did you get the bug to start podcasting, or did you just get roped into your first podcast and it went well, or how did that start?
1: It took three years of multiple interventions on all of my friends' part. I was dragged into podcasting, <laughs> kicking and screaming. Uh, I hated it for years because the editing was a pain, and I the like RSS standard for it is awful, and it was nowhere near like hosting wasn't streamlined like two years ago. Um, it honestly, it took my, my good friend, Kai Davis, um, saying, okay, well, how about if I do all of the stupid things you hate about the podcast and you do the thing that you like, which is blathering into a microphone, like then, then we have an arrangement. And so we started a podcast. Yeah. We started a podcast together a year and a half ago and it's still going. Um, and then I just started guesting on other people's podcasts after they realized I was like. Sort of valuable for their audience, and it was beneficial for my business too. Nice. So it's been like that snowball started going a, a long time ago, and now I have like if you saw the video of this, there's like a boom stand and acoustic tiles and all these things that I never imagined. Owning. Oh man, I'm jealous. I'm <laughs> jealous. I mean, I'm I'm
0: I'm rocking the Rode Podcaster, which is a great podcast mic. I've got the big fat foam thing on the end of it to to help because oh, yeah. I tend to pop my peas and I get I you know I get all over that mic like a rock star. But you yeah, are yeah. you are telling the truth in terms of setup of a podcast. You know, you think Apple. You think, oh, easy, man. I just you know, like you know, the Mac. My no. MacBook works great. My <laughs> iPhone works great. Podcasting is a bear. I mean, it's not like rocket science, but I've got three people on my team that manage it because I'm the same as you. I want to record and be done. Um, So yeah, it's an interesting animal for sure. So so let's dive in. Let's talk about A/B testing and and you know everyone listening here, e-commerce merchants, e-commerce focused. So everyone knows what A/B testing is, but I'm confident just because I I I talk to e-commerce merchants all the time. I was at uh, internet retailer or IRCE in Chicago last week talked to hundreds of retailers. And I just know there are a lot of people that are not A-B testing. So everyone knows what it is. What's your pitch, though? So for someone who hasn't invested in it and taken the time to do it, why should they?
1: Um because fundamentally you're going to get an ROI out of it and it's um but it also kind of comes off like a high risk high reward thing because you have to do you have to learn a new tool you have to come up with new ideas and that involves you kind of taking a step back from the actual practice of A-B testing you might have to do a little bit of programming to put together a new prototype of something or you have to integrate it with the rest of your store so on and so forth and all of those things I get why people don't want to do it right it's risky and um it's uh, something that's a little bit foreign to somebody because you got into this by wanting to sell a thing, right? And now, all of a sudden, in addition to selling a thing, you have to like learn statistics again. and I don't wish that on my enemies. <laughs> yeah. Um right. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of dumb stuff, right? Um, but fundamentally, and and i I'm obviously the world's most biased person about this, but I'm looking at it from a situation like, if you hire me, say theoretically, Um, And I don't provide enough money back on your business, on the investment in it, and on maybe the developer resources necessary for it, please just part ways. I'll fire myself before you even have an opportunity to fire me. Because the nice thing as a designer is I know the economic impact of my decisions, right? I can look at your conversion rate and see the numbers go up or not. And if you're not getting a good ROI out of it, you are either doing the process wrong, there are a lot of resources to learn the process, That's fine. That's a fixable issue. Or your traffic sources might need to be finessed in a certain way, in which case you have to step back again from A-B testing and try and figure it out. But it is A-B testing is a part of optimization. And optimization is something that every online store can do, no matter their traffic level, no matter how green they are to the industry. Um, And that's the thing that you should be focusing on and it just so happens that the consequence of this is you're going to end up running ab tests eventually.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, I would say if you're not ab testing, you're not trying hard enough, you know. And 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 you're right when in terms of if something's not converting as well as you'd like it to, then maybe it's the traffic, maybe you're sending the wrong person. Or the offer is incorrect or there's something broken on the on the page or the card or some something in the experience. Um, what are some of the the benefits? So you mentioned ROI in the beginning. I 100 percent agree. And that that's the real kicker, right? Like if you if you're not A B testing, you're leaving money on the table. Can you think of a couple of examples, a couple of recent ones, just to kind of wet people's appetite and and get them thinking, okay, all right, I'm in I'm in. Um yeah. uh, of what A B testing can do.
1: So um increased conversion rate. Um, That's the most obvious one. It's part of the acronym. It's conversion rate optimization, right? Um, And that can come from A-B tests or just from traditional optimization techniques. Um, It can also involve uh, increased average order values. So if you're adding like upsells at the end of a cart or on a thank you page, um, one thing I love doing with my clients is uh, saying, okay, well, thank you so much for your order. By the way, you know, 85% of people also add this thing. If you click this button in the next hour, we'll add it to your cart for free shipping. And it'll cost you eight bucks or whatever. Um, Those do real well, yeah, they do, right? And so, yeah, they're testing the impact of them. Um, Another thing that uh, sounds probably counterintuitive is uh, decreased costs. I have run tests that um, netted out inconclusive, but then in the process, or rather, it showed that there was going to be no change. And as a result, we like pair back our product line or reduce manufacturing expenses, or we're able to pair back on shipping options, um, those sorts of things. I love doing those sorts of tests because the goal is to, you want profit So you do that either by increasing revenue or decreasing costs. Um, And you can do both in A-B testing.
0: Yeah, which is beautiful. And so you told me about a a key company, I think, right? That that they had multiple offerings and you said, hey, let's just test one of the offerings, our lowest cost, easiest to fulfill option. And when you did that, no change in in conversion rate. And so effectively they lowered their cost, which is pretty beautiful.
1: Yeah, and it was by a significant margin too. I think it was like 25 or 30%. It was like a really high amount. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, it was like an everyday care, uh, carry brand. And that was exactly the characterization of it. We ended up paring back their costs and that was an enormous win for us. It worked out really, really well. Yeah. Um, awesome. whatever you can do to, uh, you know, um, improve the economic upside for the business that justifies my fees, it justifies the whole idea of doing a B testing in the first place. Because I wouldn't, if you, if it doesn't work out between us, I would feel very heartbroken if you just use that as a reason to abandon A-B testing or data-driven design decisions entirely. Like that would be, I would be sad. Sure, sure. And we don't want that. We don't want that for sure. No, we don't. Um,
0: so let's talk about, uh, I've I've seen you mention in different places, you know, there there are certain things that big e-commerce stores fail at over and over again. So, So, what are those things, and then what what opportunities are there for those of us that that uh, uh, give ear to your advice
1: yeah, so one of the one of the things that people do that I see happening pretty frequently is they just put new plugins on their site or new themes on their site because everybody says so. And so they're, you know, they might be told by another store owner, they might be told at a conference or something like that, that you, you've got to have live chat. For example, I'm, I'm going to use live chat as an example. Live chat can be great. Um, but what they do is then they put live chat all over the site and it's the same, hi, I'm a customer service assistant. If you need any help, let me know, waving emoji. And like that is a... Uh, it's a lazy use of live chat that is not as focused or deliberate as intent or intentional as it possibly could be. So it's not that you have the live chat on there. It's that you put an out-of-the-box solution on the site without thinking about the deeper meaning behind it. That is the bigger thing. And that's something that I see people mess up all the time. And it's kind of what the point of optimization is. Um, that's the number one thing I can think of. Um, I can list others if you want. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. What are some others? Yeah. And that, and that's a good one. And, and, you know, I, I kind of just got the, the visual that that's like the, the, the waiter at the restaurant coming back every five seconds to see if you need anything else. And it's like, Hey dude, yeah. uh, give me a little space. Like I want attention, but I don't want to feel smothered, you know? Uh, yeah. So,
1: um, Other things, page weight issues are a huge one. When you put in a plugin, you are increasing client side load in some capacity and that harms your conversion rate pretty linearly. Um, So if you have not taking a long, hard look at all of the JavaScript and all the images that you're loading on your site, compress all of your images. My friend Kurt Elster talks about this all of the time. You run everything through either Gwetzly by Google or ImageOptim, which is like a open source. Both of these are open source tools that you can batch images to compress and they look the same, but they're much smaller on your server. If you don't do that, you are missing an opportunity to look like a total wizard to your colleagues.
0: Yeah, and, and that's one of those things where, and 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 you may know the, the statistics, so I'm just going to make them up uh, or, or try to remember them as best I can, but for every second of page load speed that you reduce, your conversion rate goes up by like 10% or something like that um it's a significant it's amount significant. it's like
1: an exponential thing yeah right.
0: yeah right and you start to get to a point where the conversion rate just goes away if the speed is is too high and so that that's one of the things where you know we we do a lot of work with Google that's the primary service we offer is is traffic via Google and it, they're so serious about it now with their with their premier partners which which we're a premier partner They'll set up mm-hmm. um, mobile speed optimization calls with clients because they know that. I got if,
1: on one of those. Yeah, 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 they yeah, that's, that's,
0: yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, no, you're right. We uh, we helped. We actually helped set that up with with Ezra, uh, or for for Ezra, I believe it was. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so their their whole thing is, you know, and their motivation is uh, faster page load speeds means happier users, which means increased conversion rate, which means, you know, people will spend more with Google. Uh, advertisers will spend more with Google. Um, so, but anyway, was that, I'm just curious, was that meeting helpful?
1: The meeting was helpful. It was sort of like a heuristic evaluation. Like it felt like a, um, I will be, this is going to sound uncharitable,
0: but I actually mean <laughs> it really well.
1: Yeah. Um. It was like a bespoke 20 page PDF, dramatic reading of the like page speed tool that they have built in. <laughs> but everybody ignores the page speed tool and you get yeah. this custom report and it looks perfect to share around. That turned into like 20 to dos for us. Nice. It was great. Nice. Yeah. So
0: useful, maybe not the best in presentation. I, I gotcha. I gotcha.
1: Well, um, but the answer is go through the page speed tool if you're not cool enough to get on the phone with Google. Like yeah, do yeah. that. I mean, it's
0: free. And it's easy. there. Yeah. The 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 information is is there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you talk about businesses being tone deaf. I've heard you uh, mention that before. What, did, what does that mean and how do we avoid it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so one of the things um, to bring the context into that, um, one thing that I say is the absolute best way that you can come up with new A-B testing ideas, which is a question that I get probably more frequently than anything. It's like, hey, what should I test? And the answer is that I don't know. You have to go out and research it. Um, and when I say research, everybody kind of like tenses up and they get really scared. Um, research that doesn't involves, sound fun. it doesn't sound fun. It sounds like you're in the library looking at the encyclopedia because what year is this? And, right, right. and you're putting together a five paragraph essay and it sucks. Yes. Um, research is fundamentally the idea of listening to your customers and seeing what they say and what they do. And this is something that you should be doing. Uh, and I see so many people not doing it. And that's kind of where that tone deafness comes in is I can tell coming in if you're hiring me because you have a track record of not listening to your customers. And then I have to come in and be like, okay, well, I'm going to listen to your customers for you. And you will be like, either do we have to do that? Or I already know my customers or, Oh my God, thank you so much. I now I don't ever have to listen to my customers because I have somebody hired to do it for me. (laughs) That's the best outcome. Right. Um, Right. So uh, I, your when I come in, I'm basically looking at two things. It's either quantitative information, such as your analytics, which you've probably just let sit and gather cobwebs or heat and scroll maps. Um, or the other thing that I'm doing is what's called qualitative insights, where I'm surveying your customers, or I'm going so far as to literally get on the phone with them and ask them non-leading questions about how they made this purchase. And I just sit there mm-hmm, a lot. Um, and it's so so valuable every time i do either of those activities i get out the best insights that result in revenue generating design decisions uh it is the not only the best way to increase your conversion rate and come up with ideas that are likely to work it is the only thing i have found that reliably works
0: yeah the and, only thing and I, and i love that you're you're mentioning these things and i want to dive in a little bit i uh, want to mention amazon really quickly you know i i think there's a lot of small to mid-sized e-commerce merchants that feel like they don't have the time or feel like, eh, if we only heard from one customer, would that even be valuable? But Jeff Bezos is notorious for, uh, if he gets one complaint on one area of the site, he often springs into massive action and heads roll and people Drop what they're doing and make changes to the site, right? So I've mm-hmm. heard stories of him doing that with emails, like email. Rece- someone got an email recommendation for an intimate product. I guess they were searching for it on on Amazon, and they got an automated email and then embarrassed them. And anyway, uh, that that caused Jeff Bezos to say, "Okay, we'll we're going to redo the way we we structure our our email marketing." And so it's like if you look at a company like that that's you know growing at eight billion dollars in new market share a quarter or something like that, you know, 20 30% right. a quarter. And and he's taking the time to look at one customer's email if it resonates and makes sense. We've got to we've got to do that uh, as well. And so Yeah, I'm yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: do you recommend starting one way or the other, or do you just have to do both? So when you talked about looking at, you know, heat maps and and or Google Analytics or or a tool like that versus doing surveys and, you know, even calling customers, should you do both? Should you start with one or the other? What's what's your advice there?
1: You, you should do both in equal proportion and ramp them up slowly. It is, that is the scariest thing. And I know everyone listening to this is like, oh, I have to get on the phone. I know. <laughs> but I know. I'm that's I'm, why I'm online. I don't want to be on the phone. Yeah. I'm one of those terrible millennials you've heard of that hates the phone. And mm. I get on the phone often. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> I have trained yeah, to myself go. to be okay with the phone. That's nice.
0: That's nice. <laughs> Yeah, I love it how right. uh, most people most people, especially younger people have cell phones not with the intention of ever making a phone call. Um uh, but there there's some things you can learn by by having a conversation with people. I think some people will give you feedback in a conversation that they wouldn't give when they're typing or doing something else. And yeah. so yeah, extremely valuable uh and and really cool. So Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But to go back to gathering the stuff in like relatively equal proportion, if you are doing only quantitative insights, which is the it's first off the easy thing and it's second off the nerdy thing. And I find that people just kind of go into the quantitative thing. Um, The answer is also maybe try and survey people. So just ask free form text responses if you're averse to getting on the phone Got do it. that as like a post purchase one question survey or a life cycle email you will get back the best stuff continuously for forever <laughs> great and it's really really great it's like that um the anecdote of jeff right like he he definitely does that
0: yeah so any any this may be a good spot to in interject some tools any any tools you recommend so either for heat maps or for for surveys
1: oh a ton man so uh, heat maps are uh, Hotjar, uh, h-o-t-j-a-r.com. Um, VWO.com is an A/B testing framework that happens to include heat maps for free, so you can do those. Um, those are the two that I predominantly use um, for A/B testing. I use VWO. The other two in the game are Optimizely, um, which is more of an enterprisey type tool, right, and right. very expensive. Um, yeah. And very expensive.
0: And VWO Visual Website Optimizer, correct?
1: Uh, yes, that's right. Um, at vwo.com, and then um, Google Optimize just came out. And as of this podcast, I have been told by other AB testers that it is simultaneously very impressive and slightly buggy. I think Google's got a lot of people on it, and they're going to fix all that stuff pretty quickly. But again, it's you know mid June, 2017. That might change. Yep. Yep. Um. For forms and surveys, if you're super lazy and want a budget of $0, Google Forms will work just fine for you. Um, if you have a budget of about $49, I use WooFo as an embed on the thank you page. Um, if you are also lazy and you want to just do life cycle emails, just send an email two days after purchase using either MailChimp or Mandrill or whatever have you. And, uh, just like gather replies, like free text replies to the email, um, Type form is a sexier looking one. It's like really, really slick and modern, um, but it costs a little bit more. Um, those are all the tools that I use for for those sorts of fantastic, things. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, yeah. So, what are the so so going
0: to the survey piece and the the forms? Wh- what are the questions you're typically asking? Like, well, what
1: what questions do you ask and and when? When is a whole different. We could go for an hour on just that <laughs> and like appropriateness. <laughs> But, um, the, some of the questions that are most typical that I start off asking, if you don't really have anything is, um, what were your thoughts about your purchase today? If it happens on the, um, thank you page, something like that, something very open ended. And then I'm able to kind of drill in with more specific questions if I have them. Um, another thing that I do if I have you on the phone or if I'm um, doing a like more in depth survey is what's called a jobs to be done interview, which is a reference to Clayton Christensen's, uh, the book, The Innovator's Dilemma, where he like, coined the word disruption and a bunch of other things. But he also talks about how people hire a product to do something in their lives and it empowers them in some capacity. Um, And so the questions that I ask out of it are more like, um, so why did you come to us today? What are you looking to do with this product? Um, Did you consider any other competitors and what were their names? Uh, What was the last thing that held you back from purchasing this today? Do you still use the product if I'm emailing you like six months later in like an annual survey or something like that? Um, or or something as simple
0: as, did you accomplish what you hope to accomplish today? Or did did you get everything you were looking for something along those lines?
1: Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, do you have any other questions for us? Is there anything you'd like to tell us at this time? If it's like a six question survey, I just leave the open-ended one there. And sometimes you get nothing. Uh, sometimes you get the word no, and sometimes you get a six page essay. Uh, that six page essay is the biggest gold that you can possibly mine for AB tests. Right. Um, And also fixing uh, like customer support issues as well. So one thing that I do is I love talking, if you have like an internal support team, like what are the three biggest problems you encounter, right? um, Every day, because they're often in the trenches and um, I'm sometimes the first one to listen to them in a while. Um, and so they might be like, oh, well, uh, everybody has always had questions about assembling the product after they get it. Cause it comes in parts. And I'm like, okay, well, um, have we ever put an assembly guide on the the product page? Have we ever taken a look at that? And they're like, no, oh my God, please put an assembly guide on the product page. I'm <laughs> like, I can do that.
0: <laughs> show, show an, an, an unboxing guide. video or how to assemble video or email that out afterwards or something. E- no
1: email that happens. out. Um, yeah. So one thing that I love, if you have the ability to connect to your, um, the tracking number that you're shipping. So if you're like shipping to US, uh, you know, United States customers predominantly and you ship via USPS, like the day that it's out for delivery, just email them, query all of your open orders. And then the day that it flags is out for delivery or delivered, um, you just email them and be like, i you know, it looks like you're about to receive your thing. I hope you enjoy the thing. Um, here's an unboxing video for the thing and exactly how you assemble it. And by the way, replying to this goes directly to the CEO. So if you have any questions, we can Jeff Bezos our problems out there. Yeah, wrap, you yeah. Know, like.
0: I, I love it. I, I love that we uh, actually ordered a watch for my son recently uh, from Fifth. That That's what he requested. That was a brand he wanted. I never heard of it. Some millennial brand, you know, but actually it's pretty awesome uh, watch. Pretty affordable too. But and this was just a basic email it was like, you know, hey, your watch is on its way, you know, and and that yeah. just that simple message was fun. Like, you know, when when you get your e-commerce package delivered, it's almost like a tiny bit of Christmas or something. And so that yeah. that email was was a ton of fun to get. It wasn't even a watch for me. It was a gift. So that's awesome. So very cool. Where where do you recommend people start? And I know I know you've got to start by listening. But 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 give us some details. So if someone's sitting there and they're they're saying, Okay, I know I'm leaving money on the table. I know I've got to start testing, what what should they start doing first?
1: Um so there are three things. The first one is um Get your site into at least a baseline. So uh, do all of the things that involve conversion rate optimization that don't actually involve running A-B tests or making changes that you would want to be testing. That includes um, all of the boring grunt work about compressing your images, um, fixing mobile issues, fixing your navigation, um, making sure that you're reducing page weight as much as humanly possible. Do the, the like easy, no-brainer stuff first that you know is going to increase your conversion rate. Not only because you're going to make more money out of it, you're welcome, that's great, Mm -hmm. but also because it gives you more signal to play with when you're actually running the A-B test. So your conversion rate, the higher it is, the easier it is to call an A-B test and the smaller of an effect you can actually calculate so it allows you to understand incremental improvements more effectively. Um, The second thing you do is basically research. So, um, and that involves everything from Uh, running analytics, which you've probably done a lot of fixing on your funnel already, to uh, starting those sorts of post-purchase surveys. So, you know, you can do that early on and just start gathering insights around it. Or you can run, if this is your very first time doing it, an annual survey of your entire customer base where you ask more involved and in-depth questions and you launch and you get back a a few more like actionable insights around that. And then the third thing you do is start to um, actually think about the the ramifications for the design. So this is the thing that I think is the missing piece in this conversation, which is, you're gathering all this information, how do you turn it into something that's testable? How do you say, okay, well, they're doing this, what's this? And I have kind of a, to drill into this final step, another three-step process for it. Nice. Uh, it's basically, I know, right? It's yeah. fractal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have, uh, basically you zoom in and you say, okay, well, they're doing this thing or saying this thing. And then you, that's the first thing. You identify the thing that is happening and you isolate it as maybe a trend that's occurring. And this can happen on a heat map. This can happen on uh, an interview. This can happen on a bunch of support inquiries. Whatever it is, you, you find a thing and you say, okay, well, maybe they're beelining for this one element. They're not actually finding this other thing. Maybe that's something that's happening on a, on a heat map. Then you come up with a reason as to why that might be. Um, so, okay, well, they might be thinking about it in this way because they're attracted to this other thing or because we haven't made it prominent enough or, um, because, well, we don't know why. If you can't figure out that second step, you answer it by researching in a more detailed way right? So if I come up with a heat map and everybody's ignoring this one element, the next thing that I do is a more involved research tactic that's called um, usability testing, where I go to site like usertesting.com. That's a really good tool. And they do the recruitment for you and they have somebody um, vocalize their internal monologue as they're going through, say, a dummy purchase on your site. Um, And then I get back more research and then I'm like, okay, well, why is he ignoring it here? He's not even talking about it. He's not even saying it. But now he's outlining his motivation to go to this one other thing. And now I'm like, oh, okay, well, he actually really cares about that, right? Um, Then I have a little bit more clarified of a hunch, okay? So you keep repeating until you, you get to some sort of clarity about the thing. That's step two. And then the final thing is coming up with a change to the design that addresses it. You might make the element more prominent. You might move it above the other thing that people might be beelining to. Um, you might be removing the thing that people are beelining to because it doesn't fit with your business goals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so again, that process is you are isolating a problem. You are coming up with an, like an inferential, it's a, it's a hunch, it's a speculation about why that might be the case. And that's effectively your hypothesis. And then you come up with a change. Um, that changes the thing that you're testing, right? So you have this three-step process and, and then you keep repeating that into perpetuity, right? That is the whole process of continuing to optimize your funnel. And so you've prepared the site for testing, gotten it into a decent place, and then you look at, places where you might be leaking revenue or where your pitch might not be landing well or where there's friction in your customer support process. And you're effectively establishing this like roundabout conversation with your customers to say, okay, well, this isn't working well. Why? And then you're trying to meet their needs and hopefully that results in an increased conversion rate.
0: It's great. I love the, love the detail there. I love the, the thought process and the, the sequence. I think that makes a lot of sense. What are some, what are some common CRO killers that you notice? Like what are some things that, that you see e-commerce merchants doing, you know, other than the chat thing you mentioned earlier, but other things you see merchants doing that you just cringe and say, why, you know, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot.
1: I think the number one thing for at least the next five years until you dear listener get over it is a lack of focus on mobile. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number one thing because they, uh, people always, they test their sites on desktop and they don't bother opening it on their iPhone. Even as, I mean, I'm working with a client right now where 86% of their traffic is on smartphones. It's huge. And, uh, and they didn't know until I came in. I was like, by the way, did you know this? Uh, No. Well, why are we only making Photoshop comps for the desktop layout? And they were like, I do. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) mind blown good good answer. <laughs> right, right. Maybe we should do that. Um, a lot of things that are good for desktop are harmful for mobile and more and more people are going on mobile. Um, and Amazon is killing your business because they know about mobile. <laughs> they know it very, very well. Um, and if that doesn't make you scared, like that's, that's a big thing. That's one thing that um, could be potentially a big mistake.
0: Yeah. And the shopping process, I mean, the, the shopping process on Amazon on mobile is just so easy when the, when the one click ordering. I mean, you can you can have an idea for a product, find it and buy it in like 60 seconds on, on Amazon if if you wanted to
1: um yeah which is pretty amazing i've done that all the time i mean i do it as a homeowner where it's like oh we ran out of insert homeowner thing like i don't know like nails or something or like (laughs) cleaning solvent or whatever Uh, i can go on amazon while i'm on the train and it's easy you want your process to be that frictionless yep
0: yep i think that's a thing to aspire to that is the standard that is absolutely the standard yeah so cool, so other other usual and and I fully agree man uh, mobile, we have to start closing the the mobile conversion gap, right?' Because I guess the the standard stats are whatever your conversion rate is on desktop, you're probably half to a third of that on mobile mm-hmm. and and that's that's just not going to cut it. i mean there there is a case we made that some people are on mobile just to research and they're not ready to buy yet, and so maybe the conversion rates will always be a little lower on on mobile, but that that conversion gap has to be has to be bridged. Yeah. Other other kind of usual suspects or CRO killers you're you're uh, seeing frequently?
1: Um, big CRO killers. I see a lot of um, the sort of hooks into the mobile bit, but um, but it's more of a page weight issue. I see too much content being sideloaded in the background and it harms time to first page view like first view of the page um and so you end up with like a quick view is a perfect example of this where you load all of the full res images of your entire product line in the background um and you do that for both desktop and mobile but it you know it hurts in either situation like if you're on a crummy coffee shop wi-fi or something like that i see that happening a lot where people don't understand the like basically the DOM model and why it is they're loading, what it is they're loading. Um, I see plugin-itis on Shopify in particular where people yes. just install plugins because it's too easy. I see that happening all the time. And I'm like, well, why do we have it here? And it's like, well, because Jane wanted it. And I'm like, okay, well, Jane, um, let's have a conversation about the motivations right, right. here. Just killing our speed, yeah. Yeah, and well, it's not Jane's fault, but like in aggregate, you get Jane, Jim, and John all of them are recommending things and there's no process for turning a critical eye to it. And I think that's the deeper issue.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any, any testing mistakes to avoid? So, you know, I know, I know it could, could be, uh, it could happen that someone is listening and saying, okay, I've got to start testing, but then maybe because they're new to it, don't fully understand it. You know, they may make mistakes. What, what are some mistakes to avoid and be aware of?
1: Changing the page mid-test makes it unscientific. You have to leave the page alone. That's the number one thing. Uh, Number two is putting the A-B testing framework snippet in the wrong spot. This is especially problematic on Shopify stores where they love having plugins that um, insert code in random parts of your page. And so sometimes it's actually unavoidable or like requires like non-negligibly significant amounts of dev time to just put the snippet at the end of the head tag. Um, This happens with VWO all the time. And I think it, it conflicts. This is not discouragement on VWO, but it conflicts with um, bold product options, which is like a huge. And so there's ways around it. Like if you Google integrating VWO and bold, like there's already a problem solved there, but that happens. Um, Calling the test too early, um, calling the test with too little traffic—those are extremely common things that happen on AB tests. You have to calculate your sample size beforehand and never peek at the test data until it's done.
0: Nice.
1: Um, And I know you want. So tempting! It's so tempting. Uh, It's so tempting to peek. I. I. I am still, after four years of doing this for a living, I do this for my job. I only do this for my job. And I'm still like, like, oh my God, I have to look. I have to look. <laughs> yeah. I yep. know. I know the feeling so hard. And so I just some of my job is like playing therapist on people who are trying to peak. That's awesome. Yeah, there are a lot of ways uh, tests can go wrong um, as far as like code injection and VWO's WYSIWYG editor are concerned or Optimizely's even. even. Um, so troubleshooting those sorts of things is like it requires a very deft hand and uh, may not work the way that you think about it in the, the editor. So you have to go and preview it ahead of time and you have to preview it across a, a range of devices. Uh, devices. This bit me last week on a massive site. Like it it can happen to people. Um those are the most common things that I can think of.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That, that's that's super helpful. Uh wh- where would you suggest someone go for you know CRO inspiration? So I wanna, I wanna mailing see, list. Yeah. Actually, no, that's that is that is a a perfect uh segue to that. Would love <laughs> would love love any, I mean, resources, places people could read, because one of the one of the thoughts I was just having was, okay, you know, and actually I enjoy math. I don't necessarily care for statistics. That's a different beast entirely. Uh, but without getting yeah, too nerdy I, on like, how do we reach statistical significance and all of that? Like, where should someone go to, to, to find some of those resources? And how do I ensure that I'm not uh, stopping the test too soon? And and getting significant uh, results and things like that.
1: The best uh, resource for statistics in plain English around CRO is probably Evan Miller's blog, and he doesn't update it terribly often. But everything every time he does, it's evergreen. It's perfect. Um, he's very good at outlining like minimum um, sample size and how to calculate stuff in a way that is a little bit more careful than even how Optimizely and VWO do it. Um, but beyond that, like other big CRO blogs, like the biggest thing is changing your process to accommodate CRO as a discipline. And that is um, a surprisingly broad effort. It's It requires getting a lot of the company behind it. Um, Conversion XL is a very, very good resource. Their blog is particularly nice. Wider Funnels blog is really nice for uh, more of the like rigorous Google Analytics type stuff. Um Annie Lytics. Um it's a lady named Annie and she does analytics. Uh, she's, yeah, she's very great. good at diving she's into she's terrific. She's good at diving into GA stuff. Um, and obviously my mailing list. Um, but uh, those are those are all the places that I go to read about this stuff because I'm learning with all of you. Like I'm I come into my job like slightly wrong every day. And I try and improve that a little bit, you know? No,
0: I love that mindset. And that's, uh, I've quoted it before on the show, but, uh, Avinash Kaushik, I'm not sure if you've read any of his materials, but he was the, the analytics evangelist for Google for a number of years. His blog, Occam's Razor, is phenomenal, all about analytics. But oh, yeah. his goal, he says, you know, the goal is to be less wrong, right? So, like, if you always make that the goal, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get this exactly right. But if we can continually be less wrong, um, I, I just like the way he the way he frames that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can you
0: think of uh, e-commerce companies that, are, that do a particularly good job at this? That maybe if we... Paid attention to what they were doing. We we could get a, a glimpse of some of their tests, and and if you don't have examples, that's okay.
1: Ezra Firestone's a good example. I mean, he's yeah. got that one theme that is the result of a bunch of A/B tests in aggregate, and I think that's very powerful and worth. Um, keeping in mind. Um, on the the CRO side of things and not necessarily the A-B testing side of things, I think Kurt Elster at EtherCycle is actually really great at this. Yeah, Kurt's great. Um, he's good at saying, here's all the things you're doing wrong with your store because you've just gotten off the shelf theme. Um, let's try and fix it. Um, and his he has a podcast, I believe, called the Unofficial Shopify Podcast that I've guested on a number of times. And so, um, surprise you're getting more of me. Um, but that's a really good one. <laughs> Yeah, that um, is, that is good I was I was a guest as, on
0: that. I was a guest on that podcast too, and, and Kurt does an awesome job, and and a really cool yeah. guy. You guys kind of reminded me of each other just a little bit. I don't know why, but but uh, there uh, you go. It's a compliment.
1: It's yeah. it's funny. We um, it's funny we, well yeah, it's funny we uh, went to grade school together. <laughs> No way. <laughs> I've known him since I was in seventh grade. No so way. like oh, that's great bias enough. alert, but like I I'm recommending him on his own merits. I think it's, he's, we like, um, parted ways and like, you know, fell, fell out of contact during like all of college and all of grad school. And then it turned out that we were doing the same thing together. And it's, it's, that's hilarious. Weird. That it's weird. weird. That is weird. It's like but, uh, twilight zone stuff. But
0: he, but he's great. I mean, Kurt knows his stuff. He's a very sharp guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's good. And then the last one I wanted to recommend is uh Bayard Institute. B a y m a r d.com and they're more of an enterprisey type e-commerce like they pick apart why best buy is working in the way that it does um but they do a lot of very interesting like longitudinal usability studies about um like what what works as far as like subcategory navigation and if your business is in the seven figure range and up like definitely take a look at Baymerd Institute. You can afford one of their big white paper reports. Um, and you can also probably afford the development time necessary to put some of those recommendations into practice. They're definitely a 300, 400 level type thing, but they're amazing.
0: That's awesome. And, and just if anybody's wondering, we will put all of these resources in the show notes. So you can uh, go to ecommerceevolution.com, click on this episode, all, all the, the, the links to resources will be there. So check that out. Of any any case studies you wanna kinda close with? I don't know if you can share many details from the test you did with Ezra or others. Any 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 kind of stories you wanna end with to to give people that final motivation to get out there and, and do it?
1: Um so there are tests. I'll I'll say this. Um there are tests that can sometimes result in extremely outsized winners. And they're the they're the kind of ones that you see as like shared around as case studies on like uh, sometimes on conversion Excel, sometimes on like copy hackers, that sort of thing. Um, and they're all really good to know about. It's good to know what's working and what's not working. But I would also recommend understanding that A-B testing and conversion rate optimization writ large is a process and a mindset shift and not constantly trying to chase the sack of money button, you know? So with that in mind, here's a case study. Awesome, uh, <laughs> like it. Um, right, so I mentioned, um, there, there's one that I did actually with, uh, this was Ezra Firestone, so I did one that was with, uh, and it has nothing to do with A-B testing and everything to do with optimization. I came into the site and looked at their Google Analytics for about five minutes and realized that their page load time was pretty high. Um, Uh, higher than I would want it to be. And so we were talking earlier about doing this sort of optimization stuff. And I went in and just put on my JavaScript developer hat. I am not a JavaScript developer. Never hire me to do this. But I went (laughs) in... I went into the web inspector all the same and found um, that there were a bunch of like uncompressed JavaScript files from various plugins and a bunch of redundant calls of like jQuery that was increasing the client side load exponentially and a handful of like Wistia scripts that like they, they shared all their videos out and they had custom videos. And every time the video, there was a new video, there was the same Wistia script being called over and over again. And they were like in the like one megabyte range like it was significant and they had never compressed an image in the entire site's history so i was like okay here are all of the compressed images. I ran them through um, Google has a machine learning converter called Guetzli. It's a weird German name, um, I think, and so uh, and it uses machine learning to optimize the JPEG algorithm for optical like quality, so you can reduce the JPEG as much as humanly possible without it looking any different. So I did that, um, and then we cut out a bunch of JavaScript and we cut the page weight by like I think. 40%, something like that. And then the conversion rate went up by, I believe, 9.12% month wow. over month. Wow. Wow. It just step functioned up over. I hadn't run a single A-B test yet.
0: And that just goes <laughs> back to do the things you know will work. So if, you, if you're going to start there, because A-B testing is is hard, do the things you know will work, like like page load time and, and increasing speed. And so and when you think about the amount of traffic that, that someone like Ezra is driving and the mini uh, listeners are are driving at 9.2% can be significant. In, it in terms was of a lot of, customers. of yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. I actually didn't mention that. I didn't mention uh, when I'm making these case studies, I usually don't mention the the rate that the conversion rate goes up. It's interesting to the audience and it's interesting to other nerds such as myself and you can kind of get it. But I just say, I made you dollar sign this much. Yep, this
0: yep, yep. And that.
1: And is... you know how much you paid for me. <laughs>
0: That is that is absolutely what counts. Well, Nick, this has been uh, phenomenal. I know we could we could keep going on, and some of what we talk about would be phenomenal. Other stuff, you know, would would be great for the nerds of us, and and maybe put others to sleep. But uh, but we're at the end of our time, nonetheless how can people connect with you? So if someone says, man, I want to read everything that Nick has ever written, or I want to check out his podcast or hire him or whatever, how how can they uh, find you?
1: Um, the business's site is at draft.nu. Um, that is how you can at least find out what it is I'm doing. Subscribe to my mailing list. There's a little thing in the footer there. Uh, and then, um, if you, there's a link to all my different offerings. Um, if you want to go to the podcast, um, it's more about running an independent business. Uh, so if you want to know, uh, what it is like to run a consultancy as a solo guy and you're um, curious about going that path, you can go to the website makemoneyonline.exposed. Our goal is to take over the Google keyword for make money online and give you a bunch of really sobering real talk business advice.
0: Sweet. I love it. Nick, it's been phenomenal. I have learned uh, a lot from this episode as I'm sure everyone else has as well. And so again, uh, check out the show notes. We'll have links there Uh, because lots of stuff was covered and and a lot of things you'll need to research and digest. But uh, Nick, thank you so much. We'll have to do this again.
1: Not a problem. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, you bet. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Please give us feedback. Let us know the topics you'd like us to dive into. Give us suggestions for guests that you'd like to have on the show. And so with that, thank you for listening.